Well, it's happened. We have finally descended into becoming a banana republic, like so many third world nations like Venezuela, Argentina, Chile, China, Russia. It goes on and on. And we crossed that precipice and descended into it when the home of the 45th president of the United States was raided by the FBI with still unknown justification and probably no necessity as the Trump administration, the former administration, the former president has done nothing but cooperate with things uh, asked of him. And this government has pursued him. The bureaucrats in this government have pursued him incessantly since he was first elected, and they're still trying now. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three easy ways. You can either go to the Google Play Store and the iTunes App Store and simply search for the Jamie Dury, bod, uh, Jamie Dury Show podcast and subscribe to it that way. Or you can download the free Podbean app. Podbean is our hosting service. You can download it at either of those two app stores, and then you can subscribe that way. Whichever way you subscribe, you will be able to leave reviews, make comments, and we desperately need positive ones of both. Uh, and you can also email me directly at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com if you'd like me to cover a particular topic or speak about a particular area of discussion that we've had in the past and expand it or forge new territory. So, the FBI descended upon Mar-a-Lago while Trump was in New York. This is a shameless thing to do, and I predict that it will ultimately backfire uh, in the Democrats' face, and it's, it's so patently obvious that this being done at the behest of the Democratic Party, at the behest of the administration... But unlike a lot of people, I'm not going to go out and blame Joe Biden for this. People say, oh, Biden must have known. Well, in a perfect world, Biden probably would have known, and he might have even been told, if not for the fact that he's a dementia-ridden old fool. In his day, Biden was a, well, slick, uh, thought he was slicker than he was, but he was fairly slick and very corrupt. He's still corrupt. He's just no longer slick. He's now a feeble old man who is not running the government. And this clear weaponization of the Justice Department against the former president of the United States is further proof of what I have maintained all along. That one, Joe Biden isn't running anything. And two, Barack Obama is running everything. Because this weaponization of the Justice Department and the IRS and so forth, this is right out of the Obama playbook, and we will have more on that in due course. But let's, for the moment, <clears throat> just read this statement, if you haven't heard it already, from the former President of the United States, Donald Trump. This was issued yesterday. These are dark times for our nation. As my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is prosecutorial misconduct. The weaponization of the justice system and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially based on recent polls, and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans and conservatives in the upcoming midterm elections. Such an assault could only take place in broken third world countries. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries, corrupt at a level not seen before. They even broke into my safe. What is the difference between this and Watergate, where operatives broke into the Democratic National Committee? Here in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th President of the United States. 
The political persecution of President Donald J. Trump has been going on for years, with the now fully debunked Russia, Russia scam, Russia impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, and so much more, it just never ends. It is political targeting at the highest level. Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete and acid wash 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress. Absolutely nothing has happened to hold her accountable. She even took antique furniture and other items from the White House. I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. I restored power to the people and truly delivered for our country like we have never seen before. The establishment hated it. Now, as they watch my endorsed candidates win big victories and see my dominance in all polls, they are trying to stop me and the Republican Party once more. The lawlessness, political persecution, and witch hunt must be exposed and stopped. Hear, hear. That's the statement from Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Now, let's unpack all this because this is a lot. This is going to be a longer than usual podcast. So sit back, uh, pause it if you wish, get a cup of coffee or a cocktail, smoke a cigar if you're one of those who loves freedom like I do and sit back and enjoy it. And uh, we're going to try and explain as much as we can here today. First of all, Let's talk about the Republican Party. The Democrats, we know what they are. It's not even a pretense now. They're nothing but communists and socialists masquerading as Democrats. They have taken over the Democratic Party. There is no Democratic Party as I knew it when I was a young boy. But the Republicans are the real problem. Because when they get in power, they don't know how to use it. Senator Hawley was telling all of his colleagues uh, yesterday to take note of how the Democrats were able to force through this legislation that they recently got through that's going to bankrupt the middle class and disproportionately tax the middle class and said that we should take the same position when we get power and try and force legislation through. Unfortunately, Senator Hawley, that never happens. The Republican Party is completely bereft of any sort of intestinal fortitude and they do nothing. They do not know how to be the party in power. And, and I think a certain degree of them uh, don't want to know how to be the party in power because they want to continue to do what they have been doing, which is to let the Democrats have their way so that they can steal and be part of the swamp as well. You won't tell on me, I won't tell on you. It's a conspiracy to blink. Now, philosophically, they're a little different. But they're getting closer and closer all the time. So we can't really rely on the Republican Party unless we vote for Trump-endorsed candidates. Because Donald Trump isn't endorsing anyone that isn't going to share his view of having the American people first, and that government should be smaller, and that people are better off making decisions for themselves than having the government make it for them. Get government out of the way and things will grow. You see the sort of spin that's going on. Gasoline was below $2 a gallon on national average when Donald Trump left office. As of a few months ago, diesel fuel was well over $6 and regular gasoline was well over $5 a gallon. That's two and a half times more. Now, because it's come down from that high, 84 cents or so in a short period of time, the White House is trying to take credit for a precipitous drop, an unprecedented precipitous drop in prices. So is this what you do? You act like an idiot. You cut off our energy independence. You cut off our supply. You prevent domestic drilling and exploration. You cause the prices to skyrocket. And then you reduce it somewhat and then take credit for a reduction in prices. That's rather like Jimmy Carter taking credit for the, the, um, the military buildup that began uh, during the Reagan years. Yes, there was some increase in, in military spending under Carter in his later years, but that's after he cut it in his earlier years. It's almost a laughingstock to try and make this 
a claim to fame. But that's what's happening. But make no mistake about it, this is the weaponization of government agencies against the people, against the will of the people. Now, you may recall, those of you who are regular listeners of this show, I spoke a few weeks ago on a show about how politicians at large have basically abdicated their governance of this country through the creation of bureaus, um, agencies, administrative agencies, bureaucrats, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Energy Department, so many other regulatory agencies, the FCC. And these regulatory agencies issue decrees and rules that are not debated by any sort of legislative debate. They're not uh, discussed among people you voted for, your elected representatives who represent you. It's as if you have no say-so in anything. Our legislatures simply create these agencies, task them with regulating a certain thing, and then let them have at it and do whatever they want. And you have no say-so. They can create fines. They can impose fines. No due process. That's the end of it. And your life is regulated by unelected bureaucrats, many of whom have lifetime tenure, many of whom you don't even know their names. You wouldn't be able to find out who they are even if you wanted to, unless you filed a Freedom of Information Act request, and they'd make you go through hoops to get that. Well, that's what's happening now. The FBI is entrenched with bureaucrats. Now, to be true, I'm sure there are many fine FBI agents out there who believe in the rule of law. Some of them have actually spoken up about what's going on. But there are many more at middle-level management and higher management who are really residents and creatures of the swamp. They're talking about this raid on Trump's property. Now, why was this raid done? Ostensibly, what we're getting at the early stages is that this raid was done to see if the former president had in his possession documents that he might have had to turn over. Apparently, if you have uh, certain documents have to be turned over after you leave office. They didn't know if he did or he didn't, but they say that he has to turn them over. So they wanted to see if he had any. And they launched an investigation um, back in May or April. It says here that, um, uh, where is it here? Records Administration recovered documents from Mar-a-Lago the resort that was raided earlier this year, the documents were not turned over to the administration when Trump left office. The Presidential Records Act stipulates that presidential records automatically transfer to the custody of the U.S. archivist after a president transitions to a private citizen. The Department of Justice reportedly opened an investigation into this matter in April or May. But Eric Trump has said, my father worked collaboratively with them for months. In fact, the lawyer that's been working on this was totally shocked. He said, I had such an amazing relationship with these people. And all of a sudden, on no notice, they send 20 cars and 30 agents. It is rather surreal and it is ridiculous. But if these agents are so concerned about little dotting I's and crossing of T's or transitions to the archives, why is no one concerned about Hunter Biden's laptop? Why is no one concerned that he worked for a million dollars for a company that he knew nothing about the industry. They only paid him because he was the vice president's son who got a lot of kickback. The big guy has been identified in these tapes. Why was Hillary Clinton allowed to delete 33,000 emails after Congress subpoenaed those emails? Why doesn't that... uh, engender or start a contempt of Congress investigation. Nothing is done. Nothing is said. It's rules for thee, not for me. They're targeting Trump. And I predict this is going to come back and bite them in, bite them in the butt. More and more as people are interviewed on the street about the state of the economy, the state of our nation, more and more people, even many Democrats, are expressing extreme dissatisfaction with Biden 
and this administration, which of course is the third Obama administration, and acknowledging that things were a lot better under Donald Trump. And Donald Trump still looms large. Now, I don't doubt that the Republican establishment is going to try and deep six him and push someone else, but the people want Trump. And if the politicians on the state level do what they're supposed to do in those six states where all that hanky-panky was going on, where they can't steal the election like they did the last time, because I don't know if you can do it a second time without people saying, you got to be kidding me. He will be the 47th president of the United States. And freed or unburdened from having to run again, he may make a last-ditch attempt to try and right this ship by getting rid of these entrenched bureaucrats because there are far too many of them that are destroying our country. But I want to speak about the larger issue for the moment. Some of this you already know that I've spoken about so far. Some of it you may not have known. You may not have read Trump's statement. But this is the weaponization of the government against the people. Now, the the Clintons did this to a degree, but the one that really perfected it was Barack Obama, the Obama administration. Now, I'm going to read to you from an article, and just so that you people don't think I'm quoting from some fly-by-night magazine, this is from Forbes. Forbes is a very respected magazine. This article is about eight years old, written on January 31st, or published then, 2014. Now listen to this article. It's not super long, but I want to read it to you. It was written by a man named uh, Thomas Basile, who is an opinion contributor and national political commentator. Here we go. When you analyze the public response to the State of the Union and the latest polling data, it's clear that the president has lost, talking about Obama now, lost a tremendous amount of credibility with the American people. I scarcely think he cares at this point. A tired, graying Barack Obama stood before Congress this week as a political figure, party leader, and progressive activist to make sure the members understood one thing. He doesn't need them. In fact, he hasn't needed them in quite some time. After all, in his mind, it's his government. True, the speech wasn't as in-your-face as conservative pundits had predicted. To have done so would have been even less presidential than we are used to from this White House. Everyone in the House chamber knew something that the American people have yet to fully grasp and Republicans have yet to demonstrate an ability to combat. That their government has grown so large, so complex, so involved in virtually every aspect of their lives, that it is now being used as a weapon to by a small segment of the ruling political class. The weaponization of government is happening, and it's time Americans took notice. For all the folks, primarily on the left, who screamed and yelled that the Patriot Act was shredding the Constitution far more intrusive tactics that have nothing to do with the National Security Agency or Homeland Security are being deployed right under our noses during this administration. This, we're still talking about the Obama administration now. Those tactics reduce every American's personal and economic freedom. There is a dangerous arrogance of power among the president and senior level Democrats that should concern every American. Now, it's funny, I'm digressing for a second. It's funny how all these people have forgotten this. They've forgotten how Obama was spoken of in his later years. Back to the article. Last week, a senior United States senator gave a speech stating that the IRS should be used to target and punish groups that disagree with the Democratic Party's political agenda. Now, who might that have been? Senator Chuck Schumer stated, there are many things that can be done administratively by the IRS and other government agencies. We must redouble those efforts immediately. Schumer was also one of a number of Democrat senators who signed a 2012 letter to the IRS 
demanding that they be more aggressive against conservative organizations. Could you imagine if Republican senators had sent a letter to the IRS demanding they be more aggressive against liberal or Democratic organizations? Back to the article. Sure, it was a story in primarily conservative media for a couple of days, but no coordinated action between Republican elected officials and the conservative grassroots against Chuck Schumer is being contemplated. The Senate should be censoring him, censuring him, for suggesting that the IRS be used as a political weapon against conservative organizations. Americans, however, should be calling for his head. And I digress now again. Just like, I'm just saying this, I, you know when I'm speaking from the article and when I'm not. This is nothing that Chuck Schumer has not continued to do. He mentioned this under the Trump administration, saying how when Trump was talking about draining the swamp, saying, you know, the, the, the six intelligence agencies, they've got big reach. You better not try and take them on because they'll come back and hit you. And isn't that exactly what they've done? Even while he was running, creating this Russia hoax based on this Christopher Steele dossier, which was now we know was totally false, that he was paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign to write that vacuous falsehood, and nothing is done. No raids on Hillary Clinton's house in Chappaqua. No raids, no subpoenas, no investigations, no nothing. Back to the article. Last year, Lois Lerner, the IRS former director of tax-exempt organizations, publicly acknowledged the political, predatory, and punitive actions of the agency that led to the harassment and intimidation of conservative groups. Anyone who thinks that these IRS bureaucrats were acting solely in response to the senator's letter or of their own volition is kidding themselves. This strategy was deployed by a cunning White House and the community organizer-in-chief who still understands Saul Alinsky's rule number 10. The major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure upon the opposition. The IRS scandal is well known, and the misuse of the agency by the Democrat Party machine is still apparently ongoing. However, the IRS is just one of dozens of other agencies under the control of this White House, many of which go unnoticed by the public and are virtually ignored by elected officials. There are the new revelations about the administration intimidating banks to prevent them from doing business with a number of legitimate businesses. The until recently covert Operation Choke Point, administered through the Departments of Justice and Treasury, is already having an impact on the financial industry and other legitimate businesses the administration is targeting. According to the Wall Street Journal, J.P. Morgan one of the biggest banks in this country, has been forced to cut ties with thousands of customers in the last year. Sources indicate that out of fear of government scrutiny, the bank is ending relationships with customers, even if there isn't any sign that the customer has done anything wrong. Other major banks have stopped offering certain popular legal products or services because of government pressure. Documents inadvertently leaked by the Department of Treasury from a briefing on Operation Chalk Point clearly show that the administration is looking to significantly impact legal businesses because it believes the public needs to be protected from industries and customers deemed more likely to engage in criminal activity. According to the administration, those industries interestingly include ammunition sales, gun sales, home-based charities, gambling, pharmaceutical sales, short-term loans, raffles, Amway. Remember Amway? Everybody was back in the Amway thing? Multi-level marketing. Mary Kay-style sales businesses and credit repair services. The administration is refusing to answer any congressional inquiries about Operation Choke Point. And then there's the other bureau, bureau, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Interestingly, that was once headed by one dizzy Lizzie Warren, Elizabeth Warren, the 
communist senator from Massachusetts? Well, she's also now a key cog in the Obama administration's effort to regulate industries and personal decision-making. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is rapidly becoming the next Justice Department, the administration's agency of choice for extending the reach of government into our daily lives and stretching the limits of the law. Unfortunately for Americans, this little-known agency is housed as part of the Federal Reserve, so it exists outside of the direct purview of Congress. How convenient for the president. Now, I could go on and on, on and on and on, but these agencies are nothing more than ways for administrations and people with an axe to grind to distance themselves from the decision. They create these agencies, they create these bureaus, they task them with doing something, they let them have at it and say, it's out of our hands. It's out of your hands. You're the elected representative. You're the chief executive. These things can't happen unless you will them to happen. But before I abandon the article, let me give you a little more information about this very interesting Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. As the Washington Examiner's Richard Pollack recently noted, they assume, this is this agency I'm talking about, all businesses are predatory, which allegedly gives them the ability to collect up to 96 separate data points from more than 1 billion credit cards. That's right. The government under the Obama, under the Obama administration began keeping tabs on how you spend your money. Congress has asked the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau questions about the consumer snooping program, and it's been given little in the way of the response. The head of the CFPB, Richard Cordray, did, however, inform members of Congress that Americans cannot opt out or prevent this personal data collection. That leaves us with the question, who's going to protect us from the CFPB? Now, Let me ask you this question. If this is there for our protection, it's there to protect us from businesses they believe are predatory. Why do they have to know about our information? So under the guise of consumer protection and fraud prevention, the administration is using a range of executive branch agencies working together and separately to determine which products, services, payment methods, and other previously legitimate activities necessitate steep regulation and public defaming. This will lead to not only an unconscionable interference with the free market, but also a restriction of personal choice for every American. When Obama wanted to go around federal immigration law, he instructed the Justice Department to simply ignore the portions of the law he didn't like. The same was done with welfare laws and drug laws, and now he's looking to unilaterally raise the minimum wage for federal workers. That's something that Congress is supposed to do. Last week, he indicated that no one should have to wait more than 30 minutes to vote. Sounds like the kind of ambiguous language that could lend itself to loosening voting requirements or at least another innocuously named government agency to investigate voter behavior. And then there's the Bank on USA program and its network of nonprofit lenders, which could soon be the vehicle for taxpaying funding of high-risk loans. Look, we can go on and on with this, but this was being done by the Obama administration. He perfected the weaponization of government against our own people. And what you saw yesterday in Mar-a-Lago is right out of his playbook. These people are scared to death, ladies and gentlemen. They're scared to death of Donald Trump because they manufactured more bullshit against this man. They spent over $30 million on that Russia hoax investigation. It went nowhere. They tried to impeach him twice. They failed twice. And then they tried to blame him for January 6th. And the more we know about January 6th, the more we're learning that there were government instigators. More of those bureaucrats, members of the FBI, members of the federal bureaucracy that were there who probably, with the help of Antifa and others, 
breached the Capitol and then encouraged everybody else who had emotions running high to walk through the breach doors. And yet, a U.S. Air Force veteran, Ashley Babbitt, was murdered that day. Nobody cares. Nobody's even considering investigating that cowardly lieutenant who shot her. And I don't want to get off on a tangent about Ashley Babbitt, but just to revisit it for a brief moment. I did do an extensive show about that. And I explained to you about the laws of justification in this country for the use of deadly physical force. Now, the FBI has a very, very narrow shooting policy. And it probably makes sense for them because they're not really a law enforcement agency. They're an investigative agency. They don't really go out in the street and engage with real criminals. In fact, they don't even execute their own fugitive warrants. They let the marshals do that. So they go by the, um, the basic premise that only resort to deadly physical force when yourself or a third person is, has their life endangered by deadly physical force being used against them. That's not a bad policy. But at the state level, when there are various crimes that you have to arrest people for or stop in progress, something that the FBI doesn't do in a normal, uh, normal course of affairs, uh, legislatures give a greater latitude for the use of daily physical force. Now, individual police departments can restrict their members more, but under the laws of the land, let's take a state like New York, where I live. I happen to be familiar with their laws of deadly physical force. And this is a fairly liberal state, and I would consider these a pretty good, um, you know, sets of authorities to give to law enforcement to use deadly physical force. In New York State, they identify two stages at which you can use deadly physical force. The prevent-terminate stage, where you can shoot to prevent or terminate a crime in progress, and the arrest stage, where you can shoot to arrest someone for a crime they've already committed. And they spe- specify the crimes that allow you to use deadly physical force, and they use acronyms for it. In New York State, you can shoot to prevent or terminate for the following crimes. Deadly physical force being used against yourself or a third person. Rape in the first degree. Burglary in the first degree. Arson in the first degree, robbery in the first degree, kidnapping in the first degree, sodomy in the first degree. You can shoot in the state of New York to arrest for the following crimes. Murder, robbery in the first degree, manslaughter in the first degree, rape in the first degree, sodomy in the first degree. Now, I don't imagine that the federal government has any justification for terminating or arresting for certain crimes. I can't imagine that the Capitol Police have anything much in the way of authority or guidelines beyond using deadly physical force only when yourself or a third person is being subjected to potential deadly physical force. I don't see any of those crimes that I just listed being anywhere near anything that Ashley Babbitt was doing. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed, didn't have a gun, so I don't even even see how they can justify the deadly physical force on the argument that she was in possession of deadly physical force to be used against the lieutenant who shot her. In fact, right after Ashley Babbitt is shot, you can see a quite a few number of uniformed police officers rushing to her and surrounding her, which means they were in the backdrop. This idiot shot into a sea of cops. He should be strung up, as far as I'm concerned, by his privates and hung until he fesses up to what he did. And I hope that if Donald Trump regains the White House, that that son of a bitch is prosecuted, because he certainly deserves to be. But this is what's going on. Now, they not only have weaponized the government, they're weaponizing it not just against President Trump and other people that they deem the enemy. They've weaponized it against everyone who was there protesting for freedom on January 6th. People have a right to complain about that election. I've covered this extensively. I offered you proof that we found in Arizona in Maricopa County alone. We have verified that the Arizona State Board of Elections told everyone that in order for a mail-in ballot to be 
counted, it had to reach the county election board by 7 p.m. election day. And as a result of a Freedom of Information Act request that was submitted, we now know that after election day, over 20,500 ballots were received. 18,500 the day after the election, and another 2,000 the day after that despite the fact that the day before the election or election day, only 1,000 ballots came in. All of a sudden, a spike, because they knew how many they needed to steal the election. And of those 20,500 ballots that were received in Maricopa County after 7 p.m. election day, only 924 were disqualified, or 954, under 1,000. So over 19,000 illegal ballots were counted, and I guarantee you they were all for Joe Biden. So don't say we don't have a right to challenge the election and say it was corrupt. We do have a right. And people are being subjugated in this January 6th uprising because they're being incarcerated against their will. There's no justification for holding these people without bail. They're being suppressed so they're incommunicado and can't tell you what really happened because you know that the media would love to interview them. And I'll guarantee you when they are released, there'll be a gag order placed upon them by the judge. Weaponization of the government against their own people. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is, ladies and gentlemen, that whether these idiots realize it or not, if Donald Trump wasn't considering running, they're forcing him to run now. Because with this raid on Mar-a-Lago, it is clear that they never intend to leave this man alone. And the only way he or his family are going to get any peace is they're going to have to seize the reins of power again, and they're going to have to eliminate this threat from within, which is not just a threat against Donald Trump or the Trump organization or his family. It's a threat to every living and breathing American who worships and loves freedom. They're going to use this to wipe people out. They've added 87,000 new IRS agents. Why? To investigate millionaires? We don't have that many that we need 87,000 people to investigate them. They're going to audit the middle class. They're going to break you out. They're going to steal your wealth until there's nothing left but the super rich, which is mostly them, and the very poor, who will be dependent upon them. They're going to break this country out. And Donald Trump has spoken about this. He's warned us. He's warned us of what, hap- of what could happen. In an article here in the Epic Times, Donald Trump has warned Americans to brace for something a lot worse than a recession. A lot worse than a set recession. Yes, he blames the Biden administration for the economy going in the tank and inflation soaring and the next, the latest tax bill that they just passed. Trump made these remarks at CPAC in Dallas this past Saturday. He said, our country is being shot. It's being destroyed. He spoke of creating the most secure border in American history during his time in office with record tax and regulation cuts and $1.87 a gallon gasoline. No inflation, low interest rates, record growth in real wages, record growth in our economy. During his tenure, the highest consumer price index, which is an inflation gauge, came in at 2.9% in July of 2018, while in his final month in office, inflation was at 1.4%. Now under Biden, inflation has been climbing steadily, soaring at 9.1% year over year in June of 2022, a figure not seen in more than 40 years. During the course of his speech, Trump contrasted his economy with that of Joe Biden's. And that he estimates that this inflation has cost American families as much as $7,000 a year. Quote, after the pandemic, we handed the radical Democrats the fastest economic recovery ever recorded in the history of our country. They've turned that into two straight quarters of negative economic growth also known, despite their protest to the contrary, as a recession. Now, Biden is trying to say it's not a recession, but it's a recession. 
He says, I just hope that the recession doesn't turn into a depression because it could be a lot worse. We've got to get this act in order. We have to get this country going or we're going to have a serious problem. And the worse it gets, ladies and gentlemen, the more desperate people are going to become for hope. The more desperate people are going to become for a savior. There is no savior in the Democratic Party. The senators on the left, the Democrats, just passed a sweeping bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to cost the American taxpayers $740 billion, passed totally along partisan lines in a 51 to 50 vote. They had to use Kamala Harris to be the tiebreaker. And the only man that could have saved it could have been Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who should have voted against it. Because if he voted with the Republicans, Kamala Harris's gavel would have been useless. During the Democrat, during the deliberations, I'm sorry, the Democrats rejected an amendment that was offered by Republican Mike Crapo of Idaho that sought to ban any of the $80 billion for the Internal Revenue Service from being used to target Americans making less than 400000 per year. My colleagues claim this massive funding boost will allow the IRS to go after millionaires and billionaires, the so-called rich tax cheats. But the reality is, a significant portion raised from their IRS funding bloat would come from taxpayers with income below $400,000. Well, that's an interesting point, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? If this burgeoning IRS force supposedly was done by the Democrats to go after millionaires and billionaires, why would they object to saying, let's put an amendment in that says none of it goes after people who make less than 400000 Because I've got to tell you, for people living in different parts of the country, 100000 200000 300000 that may sound like a real lot of money to a lot of people. And I'm sure if you're making 400000 or 200000 a year living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you're living large. Or if you're living in some place in Idaho or some not too well populated place, probably doing very well. If you're making $100,000 a year, you're living in New York City and you're self employed, I got news for you. You're just getting by because you've got to pay Social Security tax, both the workers' port portion, six and a quarter percent, and the employer's portion because you're both. So you have a 12 and a half percent Social Security tax. You have the ridiculous New York State tax. Then you have the federal tax. Then you have the Social Security tax. Then you have New York City tax. You're taxed up to wazoo. To say nothing of the fact that goods and services are more expensive here. To really be comfortable here in New York City. To be able to drive a nice car. To be able to go out to eat a couple of times a month. Maybe once a week. Take a nice vacation. If you have any kind of family. You better be making a minimum of 200000 a year. So there was much merit to that amendment that Republican Mike Crapo from Idaho wanted to put in, and the Democrats wouldn't have it. The tax hikes that are coming under this bill are going to break you. $6.5 billion natural gas tax. We're depending on natural gas to generate our electricity, and we reduce greenhouse gases because of it. A $12 billion crude oil tax that's going to end up being passed on to drivers. So now he's extolling the virtue. We're back to that again. He raised the price of gas from $1.87 a gallon to almost f- over $5 a gallon. Now he's t- trying to take credit for an 84-cent drop, saying it's the biggest drop in history. Meanwhile, it's still more than double what gas was when he took office. And now that it's come down 84 cents, he's going to jack it back up again with a $12 billion crude oil tax and a $52 billion income tax hike on mid-sized families and family businesses. And these are the people that want you to believe they're the party of the people, taxing you to death, trying to drive the nail in the coffin of the middle class. So what can we do? What can we do about it? What should we do about it? Well, like it or not, right now it's a two-party system, and all we have is the Republican Party. 
we should vote for Republicans. Because at the very least, it prevents Democrats. The more Republicans we have, prevents Democrats from being in the majority anywhere where they can control the purse strings, where they can call for these impeachment hearings, where they can do anything. And that should be at the state and local level. That's point one. Point two, I've said this before, I'm going to reiterate, because now in the wake of this raid on Mar-a-Lago yesterday, which is crystallizing in my mind, and it should crystallize in yours, of what the true agenda of the Democratic Party is and who's actually running this country, Barack Obama. And thank God that that piece of crap, Merrick Garland, who's the attorney general, did not get appointed to the Supreme Court by Barack Obama. Because now we see, despite Obama's... uh, maintaining that he was a mainstream moderate he's a radical because only a radical would pull off some of the stuff that he's done raiding the home of a former president investigating virginia parents who questioned their school board on under the grounds that they might be domestic terrorists are you kidding me this is becoming a banana republic so what do we do we vote for republicans but we only vote for republicans whenever we have that option where they're endorsed by Donald Trump. You have a race. Republican primary, main term election, or a general election, and there's a choice between a Trump-endorsed candidate and a non-Trump-endorsed candidate. You vote with the Trump-endorsed candidate. Because if we can get enough of them in there, that alone will be the first step in draining the swamp by restructuring the swamp. So I don't want anybody to make light of this. What happened yesterday should frighten every American to their core. Because whether you like Donald Trump, whether you love Donald Trump, or whether you can't stand the man, the fact is he was the 45th president of the United States. And he had his home raided by the FBI, and he had his safe broken into. And the question becomes, if they can do that to a man who was president of this country two years ago and who's worth billions and can certainly afford to defend himself, what can they do to you? And what can you do to stop it? Take it from me. I've seen people prosecuted firsthand by the federal government. Do you know why the federal government has such a great conviction rate? Because they have such awesome, unlimited power and unlimited budget that no one can afford to fight them. That's why the Clintons hated Bill Gates and they brought the Justice Department against Microsoft in an antitrust action. They hated his wealth and they hated him when he fought them because he was the only one that they couldn't lawyer down. They couldn't drain him of his resources because he had enough money to battle the federal government until he's dead. He had virtually unlimited sources of income to fight them. His legal fees never could have tapped him out. Donald Trump's legal fees won't tap him out. But legal fees can tap you out, my friends. When you start fighting in federal court, paying a trial lawyer, getting convicted, finding out that it costs $300,000 to file an appellate brief, most people knuckle under. When they find out what it's going to cost and they find out their exposure to criminal sanctions, which could be up to 20 or 25 years on some of these federal statutes, people just plea out. I had a lawyer once tell me who was convicted by the feds, and I happen to have personal knowledge of this case, and I know it was a sandbagging job. said to me, Jamie, if the federal government comes to you and arrests you and accuses you of robbing a bank in Ohio. And you know that you've never even been to Ohio. Plead guilty and get the best deal you can. Because once they've made up their mind that you've done something, whether you've done it or not doesn't matter. It's a foregone conclusion you're going to get convicted. The rules of evidence are such in federal court that they could go in with no evidence and get a hung jury, and that's scary. It's as scary as a former president having his house raided. It's as scary as having 
the IRS weaponized against people that the current administration disagrees with. It's scary when bureaucrats that you have no say-so in make rules that you can't fight and impose fines that you can't dispute, prevent you from using your own land based on some ridiculous regulation they've created. It's sad when the government of the people by the people is no longer that, but it's government of the bureaucrat by the bureaucrat and for the bureaucrat. You have been marginalized. They hated Donald Trump because he wasn't part of them. He was going about dismantling the swamp. If you want any hope of saving this country, you vote for him again. I don't care what anybody says. He's the man you have to vote for because he's the only one that has the intestinal fortitude to hold up to these people. And freed from the burden of having to curry favor with anyone. Because he won't be able to run for re-election. He will do what needs to be done. And that is exactly why they're doing this. Because they walk in mortal fear of that day. Who were they? The Nancy Pelosi's. The Chuck the Schmuck Schumer's. The Hunter Biden's. The Joe Biden, well, maybe not Joe, he doesn't even know he's alive, but Jill knows, the wife, the Obamas, and especially Hillary Clinton. Now, I know we covered a lot and we digressed and we went back and forth today, but it was all stuff that needed to be covered. And that's the takeaway from today, though. If nothing else, you have to ask yourself, if they can do this to a man who used to be the president of the United States... What can't they do to me? Nothing. There's nothing they can't do to you. And that should scare you. And a scared people can either become a suppressed people or they can become a motivated people. Motivated to rescue their destiny from the pit. Be a motivated people. And stay tuned to this show. For the Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury.